Well, good morning. If I've never met you, my name is John. I get to serve as a pastor here. And uh, today is going to look a little different. So I just want to tell you that. So when you're like, yeah, you already put like the baptism tank in my way. It's already different. Um, but as Peter and I were talking last week, um, if you followed anything on social media or online, just how God is at work in our nation right now, you know that it's kind of a unique time that we're in. Like God is just stirring and moving in places. And um, really, I had an awesome plan for today. We already had the service kind of laid out. We had, I had my sermon written, all these kind of things. And as we talked, it was like, we just can't do that. Like just go ahead and move forward with all the stuff that we had already planned. So I was like, all right, God, I'm not really sure what that means, but okay. Um, but part of the reason for that is me and some of our other Zero Collective lead pastors had the opportunity to go down to Asbury uh, College down in Wilmore, Kentucky, where a lot of this just incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit and God's presence is taking place. And I'd never been there before. I didn't know what to expect. Um, but God moved in a pretty significant way in my own life, in our team's life, and it was one of those experiences you can't just you can't just move on from. You don't just skip over. You don't just bring it up again, you know. So anyway, I just felt like today the right call for us was to give give God our space, is to give Him our our priority, is to give Him focus. And I don't know exactly how that will look. This will be by far the least planned center service you've ever been to and by far the least baked sermon you've ever heard um, from me, for sure. Um, well, maybe, but probably, probably. I have some notes, but they're not very good. Um, but I want to share a little bit um, just of some of that story. And you may already can tell if you've been around here, but I'm pretty sick right now. And I have been laid, laid up on the couch for most of this week. And... I still felt like it was the right thing to come and be a part of this and to share this story. So I probably won't give you a kiss and a hug on your way out, um, but we're a good distance apart here. And I just felt like it was important to be here. So if I cough or something, that's why. But February 3rd, 1970, on the campus of Asbury University, uh, a student chapel is taking place or 45 minutes long and they had chapel and the chapel service ended and students just stayed and they were praying and they kept worshiping. The songs were done, the band was off the stage and it just kept going. And that is a picture from 1970 and that revival lasted for 144 hours. They ended up canceling classes. People began streaming in um, from all over the nation, like van loads of students, families, um, just all over the place. And in the 70s, this was kind of like the Jesus People movement. Like culture was at some of its worst points in the 70s. Um, I wasn't around, but I've read about it. Um, but some of you were. And God began to do something at Asbury that was really significant. And in a lot of ways, there's churches who would say like, there because of that revival, God turned around our church or God healed our marriage or God rescued our kids from, from what they were up to in the 70s, which is incredible. And 
I remember I've read stories from the 1970 Asbury Revival, like way before this ever happened um, here in 2023. Well, then fast forward, uh, February 8th, 2023, just a couple weeks ago. Asbury had their Wednesday morning chapel, it goes from 10 to 10.45. And it hits 10.45 and the choir, they had like a choir that day. The choir ended up repeating a chorus of the song that they were singing, some kind of worship song. So they ended up repeating that chorus and 10.45 hits, they repeat this chorus and about 20 or 30 students just stayed. Um, they just stayed, they prayed, they worshiped. Some of them went up to the altar. Some of them began like confessing sin and, and places in their life where they weren't right with God. And that just kept blowing up. Like it just got bigger, more students were coming. There were students who came after class um, and it just kept growing. I mean, this is a picture, some of the pictures from uh, Hughes Chapel there on the campus at Asbury where we were. and kind of like us, people driving from all over. Uh, I prayed with a guy who drove from Toronto, Canada, 10 hours, um, who heard what God was doing and wanted to be a part of it. He was a worship pastor at a church um, and he'd been praying for revival and just got to serve their church. And he was like, I gotta be there. So I was like, wow, uh, I thought seven hours was impressive, but that's even more in a border crossing. Um, so it's just such a similar experience. I mean on campus they had to open up when we were there they had to open up uh, three or now uh, more than this but three additional chapel spaces uh to fit how many people were coming um it was insane i've never seen anything like it in my life and there were families there there were kids sleeping on air mattresses when we got there who just their their whole family was there and they wanted to be a part of it they wanted their kids to experience what god was doing too um but I want to share a little bit of just some of the things that really struck me about being there because obviously maybe you can't pick up and go to Kentucky and watching a live stream is not always the same, but I want to share with some of you a few of these things. And I think there's some lessons for us. But number one, I was struck by uh, walking into the room the first time we got there at like three or three 30 in the afternoon and we walk into this main chapel, just like you're seeing right there. And the presence of God was so tangible and so real. Um, I felt like my knees were gonna give out when I walked in those chapel doors. I've never experienced that in my life. I walked in, I was like, whoa. And the next thing I was like, okay, I gotta find a seat. <laughs> I was like, I gotta sit down. But there were no seats. Like there were no seats in the chapel and we couldn't walk around to see if there were any up front because there were so many people in the aisles on their knees. I couldn't even walk around in that building. Like we had to go upstairs and or try to find another spot. Eventually we sat in the reserve section, which we found out later was a no-no, but that was, that was one of the first things that hit me. Um, the other thing that hit me about it was you walk in and it was a sound. If you've ever been in a service like this or maybe even a prayer meeting or something like this, it was a sound of prayer filling the room. It was one of the most unique sounds. It was so beautiful. It was like everybody together praying out loud, lifting up their voices to the Lord, confessing, repenting, turning from things, but also just praising him. It was really unique. The second big thing that really struck me 
was I was hit by the humility and the intergenerational nature of it all. Like I kind of thought, okay, this started on a college campus. So there's gotta be a bunch of like Gen Z, like they're already passionate, a bunch of 20 year olds or something, but it wasn't. Uh, just like I said, it was entire families. It was professors. Uh, I was struck by how many people were probably in their 70s and 80s just going before the Lord at the altar, lifting their hands in prayer. One of the things that hit me was we were, uh, as you can see in that picture, no, there were no screens. So you probably get annoyed when our, our slides person's like one line behind, just like I do. But they had no screens at all. Like there was just no production value to any of it. You know, just nothing was happening. It was like the sound wasn't good. There were no lights. There wasn't any screen. That was the first thing I walked in. I was like, how am I supposed to know what the lyrics are to these songs? And he just figured it out. And there was a guy who's probably somewhere in his 80s, um, struggled to walk when we left. And he was on his phone. He had a phone he was on his phone. And we were singing a song. He was typing in the lyrics to Google. <laughs> he was like trying to figure out how I find the lyrics to this song. But I loved it because it didn't like he didn't know the song. It wasn't like something he grew up singing or anything. He was just totally wanting to be engaged. And that kind of intergenerational nature and the humility that came with that was really, really striking. Uh, there were professors. I mean, I. Uh, Asbury is kind of a Wesleyan school, so we're attached to them in some way. There were famous authors that I've read their textbooks and stuff that were handing out water bottles to me, opening doors for people, um, shuttling people around if they needed a place. There were QR codes when you walked around the campus that said, do you need a place to sleep? You could scan that and their staff would help you find a place to stay. It was just incredibly hospitable and it was incredibly humbling to be a part of that. So those are some of the external things that really hit me about the experience. But I want to share with you another layer deeper and just kind of before you share some of the things God spoke to me personally. Um, because in this service, we're gonna have some extended time to just worship and to pray, um, to use this space as kind of a holy time for you and your family or yourself. And I, I wanna make sure I go first in that. So permission to go first, granted. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, I probably would have done that anyway, but the, uh, <laughs> the first thing that really hit me, um, one of the first things I wrote down in my journal as I was sitting there in worship was um, my need and, and in that moment to repent for my neglect of scripture. Uh, I preach every single week. Um, I'm really good at studying the Bible I'm really good at reading the Bible. I'm good at, uh, I feel very comfortable being able to teach the Bible, uh, reading the Greek and the Hebrew words behind certain things. I'm, I'm competent at that. I've done it for a while. Um, but the image that God brought to mind was that there are times in my life where I operate like a buffet manager. Ever been like a golden corral or an old country buffet? You can admit it. It's okay. It's a safe place. Okay. So at least two of you. But God kind of brought this image up to me. He's like, John, in some ways, there are seasons where you're like a buffet manager. You oversee all this incredible food. There's tons of it. You make sure everyone else gets fed, but you don't always go and you don't always take a plate and you don't always sit down and eat. 
you just make sure that everybody else does that. And the, it just hit me. Um, I read the Bible all the time, but it's part of my job. And one of the things that God convicted me on is, am I going to scripture just because I love the Lord, just because I love his word, just because I want to be in it? Am I meditating on it? Am I taking the time? I'm an incredibly routine structured person. So for me, when my routine gets off or I wake up crabby, one of the first things that goes is are some of those devotional rhythms. I'm like, okay, I just don't have time for it or uh, I'm already late to work or whatever it is. And, and I just had to repent of that. I spent some significant time with the Lord just saying, I want to get back to, to a love for your word again. I just want to get back to loving what you say and pursuing you. Uh, the second thing, and this is a little heavier, but I'm just going to share it. Um, is there were some times in worship where I had to, sur- I began surrendering uh, my disappointment with God um, around our daughter who's not born yet. Sorry. And just bringing that back before him. Saying, God, I I do trust you. And I'm annoyed (laughs) that you haven't healed her yet, but I trust you. And I don't know the end of that story yet, but (laughs) um, it was, I I needed that. I needed that moment. The third thing for me was just an overwhelming sense of how worthy God is. And that was a thing that trumped every other thing. And that, that if I think about our church, uh, if I think about my own life and my, fa- my family, that's what I want us to believe that God is worthy, that he is holy, that he's set apart, that he deserves praise, that he deserves when we walk in this space, that it's not like how quick can I get to lunch, but it's how, how much honor can I bring? How much praise can I bring? <laughs> like I said, some of the production elements of this <laughs> revival were laughable. <laughs> like, Sorry, that was a weird laugh, but <laughs> blame the drugs. But we, the one of the nights we got there, or the first night we got there, we couldn't get back into the main chapel. <laughs> and so we, uh, we had to go to like an overflow chapel and they had a live stream. This would kill you. Our live stream is so good compared to that. Peter's an amazing person. Um, but literally just kept cutting out. There's like 600 people in the chapel worshiping to like a video live stream and it kept saying, no signal, no signal. And then it would pop back up and then it would say, no signal, no signal. But it was like, I mean, there was part of me was a little bit distracted, but there was another part of me was just like, it didn't 
that is not the main point. Like that, it did not matter. Like we were not even in the same room. They're live streaming from another chapel. There's no live worship leaders. There's no preachers. There's literally no one on the stage. It just was the screen. And there was a moment where on the, um, in the main chapel, they invited um, pastors, any pastors that were there and just said, if this is a moment where you need to lay down your crowns, that's kind of a revelation term, like all the elders cast their crowns. This is vision of leaders laying down their authority, laying down their influence, laying down their reputation and all the things that they have and bringing it before King Jesus. If you need to do that, we, we invite you to do that. And it was, again, this some of it cut out while it was happening, but um, then they went into the song and I just found myself, again, just overwhelmed by that sense of how worthy God is. And I, I don't even remember doing it, but I just remember like five minutes later, I'm like, I am flat on the floor in this carpet. There's like blue carpet under my face. And I, that's not normal. Like if you've been here on a Sunday, I'm not normally just laying down on most most days, but I was just overwhelmed, not not by emotion, not even by like uh, the song or the prompt, but I just was overwhelmed by, God, you are so worthy. Like I, I have to do this. I can't just stand here across my arms, Jack, like this isn't a big deal. And the question I wanna ask before we're gonna take some time to sing and to pray, and I'll give us a little bit of instruction, but the question I want to ask is that's incredible to happen at Asbury. It's incredible. Like the fact that two times uh, on the same campus, God has just broke out and, and changed the trajectory of multiple different schools now and generations, I believe, families. He's definitely changed me in my experience, but, but why not us? Why not us? I mean, I don't want to be the kind of person who's okay. That's why I cleared my schedule and jacked up my whole week to make sure I could go down there. Um, because I just, I want to be a part of it. I want to experience that. And um, Leonard Ravenhill, who's kind of a, he's a Scottish theologian, wrote a lot about revival, said, people don't see revival because they are content to live without it. And that quote, I was really sitting there. I remember reading that and that just hit me. I was like, wow. I think I've I've been there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but just seasons in my life where I'm just content to live without the tangible presence of God, the working of the Holy Spirit in my life. And the thing that really hit me driving back was we drove 14 hours round trip, spent a bunch of money on food in a hotel, cleared the schedules, um, made my pregnant wife watch Lennon. <laughs> That's a sacrifice in and of itself. She's the real hero of the story. Um, because we truly believed if we went down to Asbury, we would meet with God. Like we expected it. We anticipated that hap happening. But so many of us, and I've been here, live with an embarrassing low expectation of how God can work and what a Sunday can be. We just don't ever experience that. It's like we, we just we compartmentalize who God is or what he can do. And can I give you some encouragement? The only prerequisite the revival taking place in your life, in your family, in our church are two things, hunger for God and humility before God. Hunger before, hunger for God. God, I want you here. I wanna be around you. I, I need you and humility. 
Maybe that's on your face. Maybe today you get down on your knees. Maybe you worship like you never have before. Maybe you lay aside distractions or you surrender your own disappointments or hurts, whatever it is. But the only prerequisite to that revival taking place in your life, in our church, in our community, and I, I want it, I'm desperate for it, is hunger and humility. And so I want to just give us kind of an overview, if I can, of the next little bit we're going to spend together. And it's just a time for you and your family to worship before a God who's worthy. Um, it's not the most comfortable altar ever, but this entire next 30 minutes or so, we're just, the band's going to play a bunch of songs. They don't even know exactly what they're going to play, and that's fine. But they're just going to play a bunch of songs. And this space, in, in a weird way, is it's the Lord's, but it's also yours. Um, so if you need to stand up, if you want to stay seated, if you want to read your Bible, if you want to journal, if you want to get on your knees at your chair, if you want to come up front and pray at the altar, if you see someone up front you want to pray with, come up and pray with them. Um, if you just want to stand and sing the whole time, your arms raised, you want to lay down face on the floor, just in humility before God. Um, if there was ever a time to be radical and to be weird, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Because God, God desired, he has an obligation. James 4, 8, you draw near to God, he will. It's, a, it's like a direct sort. I mean, it's like he will do it. It's like he keeps his word. If you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So whatever drawing near to God looks like, whatever feels like increases your hunger, increases your humility, typically your physical posture does help that. But, but I, I just want to encourage you to do that. Okay? So let me pray for us. And then the band's going to lead us in some songs and we'll just... Um, go before the Lord together. So God, we bring you our need. We bring to you our weakness. God, I thank you for how faithful you are, how worthy you are. And we just give you this time. This is not what any of us expected today would be. That's uh, not what I expected today would be. But you know what you're doing. You are faithful. You're good. And you're worthy of praise. And so we ask that you'd speak to us, but we would encounter your presence uh, in a different way today. Pray that even for our kids, our families, that that would be true. And um, we just love you. We're really grateful to be in your house, with your people, in your presence. And so we just come before you with thanksgiving and with gratitude um, and with an open heart to whatever you have for us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name.